Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. And we are live. Hello to Liza Fleissig. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. Actually, you're there. Where, where are you? I am in New York City. New York City is a big place. Uh, <laughs> well, um, I, I'm all over the place. But right now, I'm coming to you live from the Upper East Side. Ah, okay. So that's um, that's called Manhattan. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes, I didn't realize. Yes. There you go. Typical New Yorker. Yeah, exactly. Sorry about that. A typical. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. So anyway, so so Liza Fleissig, a wonderful, um, wonderful, wonderful literary agent. Uh, you're also a lawyer, which is really interesting. We have a lot to talk about, obviously, a dog lover. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and I just introduced myself. I'm Mel Rosenberg. I am the uh, host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network. And it's wonderful to have you on the program. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, ha- I'm proper, ha- bleh, sorry, happy to be here. And uh, I'll just tell our viewers and listeners that uh, I'm from Israel. We are at war following a savage attack. And um, things are difficult here. And we may have an air raid siren go off, in which case you will see me disappear for 10 minutes. Uh, and but then miraculously reappear. So uh, Liza, you um, you represent the whole gamut from from picture books to um, books for octogenarians or whatever they're called. Yes, we represent. Yeah, give the the pitch of your agency, Liza Royce. We we just uh, we represent everything from picture books to adults, um, from debuts to established talent. We're a cross-platform agency. We represent on all different levels, both film and audio and stage and books. Um, and this, yes, I am a lawyer. Uh, I was a practicing trial attorney, a partner in a law firm for about 20 plus years. I am still a licensed attorney, but I am not practicing. So I like to say I'm a recovering lawyer. Uh, and um, I love what I do. And our agency is about, uh, we started in 2011 and our inaugural list came out in 2013. So we have a decade of books brought to you. Okay, we'll get back to the books. But in, in your biography, it's like, um, okay, so I w- you were also a, a copyright lawyer, which I find mm-hmm. fascinating. Um, I, I'm actually not a copyright lawyer. I was a trial attorney. Okay. So it might be a misbio floating out there about me. I can't can't trust the internet. I gotta fix fix those fake newses. Okay. (laughs) So so I can ask you about trials and not about copyright. Um, (laughs) So, but 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 what's missing, Liza, is the transition. Like you know, lawyer, 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 lawyer. Oh, it's Tuesday now. I'm a literary agent. So we're gonna get to that. So tell us about Liza. Tell us about your life. Um, This is a program Um, about about you. Well, um, I grew up with two entrepreneurial parents and um, 
family business. Everybody in the family worked from grandparents to uncles. Uh, and so I think that was part of my spirit, always looking for something creative to do. I started out pre-med. I then went into construction management, um, actually worked in real estate development. I, when I first went to school, I was pre-med. I then transferred to Wharton. I graduated. Oh, oh, oh hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on. Pre-med. What was your family business? Uh, mobile electronics. Mobile totally electronics. Totally unrelated. CB radios, and, uh, and, FM boosters, <laughs> things in cars. And, so, so what's that? So as a kid, literature or science or both? Both. I was a voracious reader and I loved science. It was actually both, in all fairness. Yeah. Okay. Um, sure. I leaned to the science for whatever reason, but no doctors in the family. I, I worked in a medical intensive care unit as an inter, as a um, volunteer. Uh, I worked in the children's hospital as a volunteer when I was at Penn, but just kind of changed into business. I think that entrepreneurial bug just kind of took over. Um, well, I said, hold on, hold on, well, hold on. We have lots of time oh, no. as long as the as long as the air raid sirens don't go off. So, um, as because this program is mainly about children's literature and picture books specifically, because as you know me, this is my great, great passion. Um, so when you were five or six, what, what picture books did you love? I, 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 do, I could not tell you. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I could not tell you. I have no as recollection. An, I could tell you I remember reading Nancy Drew. Um, I read early. I read almost a, a book every two days. Um, then I moved on to the Hardy Boys because I was running out of books. Hardy Boys, um, Frank, Frank, and somebody else. Frank and his brother, maybe Bobby. Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't That's... remember. I just remember Sean Cassidy starting the show. Um, wow. What else? Uh, oh. Yeah, and then moved on from there almost to adult books. Uh, at the time, there really wasn't a big YA market. Um. So I can't really remember that many picture books that I read that were that were read to me, honestly. Any, um, any books as a teenager that, that had a great effect on you? I read a lot of thrillers. I loved Robert Ludlum. I loved uh, Jeff Deaver. I loved Patterson. Um, I, I, I read Kellerman. Um, I'm probably missing a bunch of people who'll be upset with me, Connolly. I mean, I read a bunch of things in the thriller space. Ke Kellerman, as in Saturday, the rabbi forgot to uh, use mouthwash. I, I I don't know if I would refer him that way, but yeah, there were some there were some Jewish mystery books that I liked reading. Yeah, Saturday, the rabbi woke up late. Sunday, the rabbi uh, forgot to wear his tefillin. I remember those titles, but also his wife. No, I, think I, 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 I I made up those titles. I don't remember. Oh no, I don't remember the titles. And also, I think his I think his wife. Well, there is John Kellerman and Faye Kellerman, right? I think Faye is the wife. I read them. Ah, so maybe these are different Kellermans. Maybe I I. Um, you know, it's funny. People ask me now, so don't ask me what I'm reading. My mind is blank other than the manuscripts. I have read, you know, I will say many agents read everything and their own books. I think because we do picture books through adult, we are always just reading our own stuff. There's not a lot of free time. Um, and I, I can't remember the last real book I read that wasn't in manuscript form. Even even books that are not ours, you know, they read the arcs or something somebody gave us as a gift before they even came out. 
so I'm really bad with names. You should know that too. Uh, always have been. Um, and so really recent memory are, are so engrossed and enmeshed in the books that I'm editing. That's okay. So you, you uh, wanted a, a career in medicine. And then what happened? I think my sphere of influence changed and I really was interested. I always loved numbers. I loved math. I then transferred to Wharton. Um, I then worked for a real estate developer. Um, and then I went and did dis disaster recovery for a bank. When that law changed, you needed to kind of digital, you know, get things up and running in case there was a disaster that was relatively new way back then, not to date myself. Um, and then from there, I went to law school. Uh, and then I loved the law, actually. I, I was a trial attorney. I, I, I think the theater major in me loved that when I, I not actually major, but in high school and a little bit in college. And I think that. Oh, hold on. We keep discovering new aspects <laughs> of Liza. I thought what, what, was what, what did you what did you play in theater in high school? Uh, let's see. I, between that and summer stock, I did Guys and Dolls. I did California oh, Sweet. Well I done. Did, Guys and Dolls is my favorite. It's one of my favorites too. What did, what was your part? Depending on where, at one point I was Adelaide, one point I was just the chorus. I shouldn't say just, it's just as important. Um, Adelaide, uh, Adelaide, Adelaide. Oh, we can uh, talk, from, we, next time we'll talk about guys and dolls. Those things are bad me. Um, but I did love being a trial attorney, but something was missing. I always wanted to do something a little more creative. I, I think also, candidly, as, as a, when I became a mom, Later in life, I think that it was very hard for me to give 100% as a trial attorney and 100% as a parent, which I'd like to say I did. I'm sure something suffered. I was the type of person who would try to seek an adjournment just because my kid had a checkup and instead of the nanny going, I wanted to go. Um, it got a lot harder once I had my second child. They're seven years apart. Um, and... I really just started craving something a little more creative and a little less antagonistic. Um, I, I still love the law. I respect the law. Um, I really enjoyed being a trial attorney, the, the spirit of the game, but there was always, you know, what I call hurry up and wait, as opposed to publishing, which is just wait, wait, wait. Um, but, you know, in the law, you would say, you know, I'd give up my whole weekend with my family because I would get something in on time. And then the other side would say they wanted a German and be given two weeks. But here I just gave up time with my family. So in looking for something creative, I turned to this. I turned back to literature that I loved reading. I turned back to um, True Story. I had a very good friend looking for an agent who at the time had trouble finding one. I won't say the person's name. This person was amazing, super smart, super talented truly an outstanding talent but the the industry was shifting it was like 2010 2000 i guess 2010 and you know ebooks weren't even all in contracts back then people were actually litigating over whether ebook was contemplated and people were turning to social media you know when this person i knew wrote by hand on a legal pad, right? You know, we had typewriters growing up, you know, actual typing, you know. 
And so I think a lot of agents at first were like, you don't have a platform, you're a debut, things are changing. And I think this person, you know, had, had, had an unfair struggle. And P.S., the person did wind up being bought by a very prolific editor. The book won awards. The book was amazing. Um, the whole world learned what I knew from the start. And at that point, my husband said, you know, you've really been looking for some creative outlet. You seem to know, you know, my own little spidey sense. Maybe this is something you want to consider. One thing, Liza, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, dear. So did you represent this famous- No, I did not. I did not. I won't say, no. I did not represent that. I just knew, and I, I actually went to some friends of mine, like there was somebody who was a, a senior editor at Simon & Schuster, and I said, hey, can you read this book? And I did not know what an imposition that was. And she's like, I love you, but no. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? She's like, Liza, you don't understand what you're asking me. And even if I love it, if she doesn't have an agent, there's nothing I could do with it. It's totally like a waste of time. I mean, I-, I I, it was very hard for me to understand because I knew nothing about the process. To me, it was much more, you know, it was more simpler, simple than that. It was, here's a book. Why don't you read it? If you like it, why don't you read it? You know, um, very naive, to be sure. Um, but like I said, she did ultimately get an agent. It did ultimately sell. It was a success. And I think that was the beginning of... I don't know, my my championing spirit of the underdog, which I've always had, um, my need for something creative, and my love for entrepreneurship. And so all of that stuff kind of came to a head where I could be a voice, I could make a difference, I could support people who are not being represented, both in voice and in debut. My initial list is of way before the uprise of the call for voices. My list was very diverse. Our first group of authors, most of them are still with us, were very diverse, wrote different ranges from different places, different races, different religions, um, because we just wanted good books. We just wanted a good story, you know, good storytelling. And we weren't doing anything that seemed, you know, trendy or cool. It was just, our love of what we fell in love with, you know? Um, anyway, so my husband was very supportive. I was very nervous to start a new career. I had two children. I, I had a, a, you know, a real job with, you know, benefits. And this was a very scary jump. So honestly, I stayed as a partner in my law firm for about two more years, two to three, maybe even four years. I have to look back, I don't recall, um, before completely divesting myself. And so I was really... I was doing it to make my life simpler, to be creative and to be with my family, but I actually doubled down and made it a little more chaotic at first because I was still practicing law by day and reading and editing contracts by night and on weekends. I did not work, you know, my, my agency while I was doing something for the law. The only thing I might've done is waiting in court. I might've read something. That was it. So I really kind of increased my work day, not decreased it, until I went solo and then, you know, retired from my practice. Wow. And a few words about Ginger. Oh, she is the yin to my yang. <laughs> she is uh, an amazing human, super smart, um, beautiful inside out, one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, we met uh, years ago. When I had my second child is when she had her son. 
So when I was on maternity, we were around doing the same thing versus before, because my son is seven years older. She had retired from law to have her child. Um, and I remember specifically, we were both watching my son's like t-ball game with our kids and our strollers taking them out to watch and I was explaining what was happening with my friend and she read the book and she thought it was good and ultimately when my friend got picked up and I knew Ginger knew a lot of people on the film side so we we had an interesting point of reference or point of contacts you know together and I remember saying to her aren't you bored at home being retired? And she's like, no. I'm like, don't you want to like work again? She's like, no. I said, so you want to start this business with me? She said, no. And I said, okay, good. So this is what we're going to do. <laughs> and, and the reason I really wanted an amalgamation of our names, Royce is actually my middle name. I really wanted some amalgamation of our name. But she said, look, I don't know I'm going to really do this. So let's call it your name. And I said, okay, but in a year, if you're still in, we're gonna change it. So it's both of us. She said, okay. A year later, I said, we have to put your name in it. And she said, oh no, LRA is a brand now. We're not using my name. So, so um, I don't think she gets as much credit because her name's not you know, in the brand, but honestly, Ginger is my partner, true and true in every sense of the word. She's amazing. We call her the picture book queen. To be honest, she should be the one you're interviewing. She is the picture book queen. There are editors who wish she'd come on board as an editor. Um, she's phenomenal. She also handles most of our nonfiction, picture book and adult, you know, through adult. Um, she reads some adult works too. She's moved into middle grade. Her son's in middle grade. So, you know, as she's gotten more in depth with certain books, um, she's expanded her own, I would say, editorial service. She's actually great. I'm very, very lucky to have her. And you have now uh, how many um, how many authors in your stable? Well, uh, don't ask me the breakdown. Generally, about 50, how many? Well, I would say last count, maybe <laughs> more than ninety. I think under a hundred. We don't have a lot of attrition, so I only really take on on any given year, three to eight clients, maybe maybe more, maybe less, depending on the year. Th that's, um, par that's par for the course, Liza, from the agents I've interviewed. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, we, we, we have parted ways with some clients, not many, um, but very amicably still supporting each other, just different reasons, writing different things, what have you. Um, but I do try, we do try as a boutique to have each client feel special and so it's hard to have like 90 plus children where they're each your favorite um, um but i think because each client is in a different state you know we have some working on one book every two years we have some turning out a book a year but we're working on spec because they're already established you know ginger can handle a lot of the picture books i we both see everything but the one who's kind of shepherding it you know we kind of divide um and it so far works. I'm knocking wood here because I'm a little superstitious. Well, don't, don't 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 knock on wood. If you're if you're superstitious, knock on wood for Israel. Okay, that's awesome. important. There you go. Thank you. Um, so um, you might have handy a couple of the books that you've repped to show uh, our community. Yes. Yeah, so so do you, 
So just picture books or I- No, no. I, look, the new okay, books, so, Net, the, all okay. the new books network are a hundred different channels. Mostly the hosts are academics in many different aspects of history and religion and science and mathematics. And because I'm an academic a scientist, mind you, I persuaded them to let me have a channel for children. Um, and that's the New Books Network. But the channel is is kid lit. And um, okay. I'm part well, of I, have a, I brought some. Luckily, you asked me before, because honestly, where I am right now, I do not have my, as you notice, my bookcase is not behind me. I'm not in my actual office. Um, so I did, I do have a few books on hand. One that I am I love all my books. I'm proud of all my books. Let me start there. Um, this book you might have heard of by Lisa Phipps, Starfish. Um, this one, The Prince Honor, it's on several state lists, multiple state lists, almost every state list. Um, I'm so proud of this book because it has changed lives. It has unequivocally changed lives. We've had people write in saying, because of this book, when I see bullying, I will say something where before I was silent. We've had people say, because of this book, instead of hiding, they have come out and have blossomed new friendships because they gained some bravery, they gained some uh, confidence. So this book I can't talk about without getting chills um, because I think it is so meaningful to help children. Remind us when it came out, who published it. Oh, you're gonna really test me. I uh, I have. I want to say last year. I'm. I'm. Forgive me, Lisa. That's the author. Lisa no, I mean Pips, because because uh, because if 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 you feel so excited about this, I will interview the author. Oh, she. All I can say is when she won the Prince Honor. Okay, so I don't know if you see the cover. There's a girl starfishing, right? It's about an overweight girl who the only way that she feels she could take up space is when she's swimming and she starfishes, and what she tries to learn to do in real in real life the character and the author growing up would like kind of hide in the back and didn't want to be seen. And the point was to learn to starfish. And I will tell you when she accepted her award, the entire room stood up and starfished. It's, it's, she would be honored to speak with you. So okay. I think this is an, I think any of my authors would be honored to speak with you, but she well, is, I'll, I'll, I can tell you later. Listen, bring them on. I, it's a little bit I will bring your, them on. Okay. It's a bit, it's a bit out of, one second, hold on Liza. It's a okay. bit under, your Honor, it's a bit out of my comfort zone uh, um, to interview on the on the middle grade and YA, but I know I should do more of it. So this is a good opportunity. He has interviewed so much; he'd probably make your job super easy. Unlike me, who has to sit here and think a minute. No, but um, I I, I read I read the books, you know. She's an exceptional human being and has done a lot for children. And it, you know, I would love to love to interview. Okay. Okay, an interesting book I will have uh, that I don't have the book yet, but I did bring it because because I had it here. Um, this is actually an F and G, right? Folded and gathered. So this isn't even out yet. It's called I Am a Masterpiece by Mia Armstrong. What's amazing about this is Mia Armstrong has Down syndrome. And this book is coming out with by, from Random House next year. And she is an incredible spokesperson and an activist, an actual activist at her age. She is now an actor. She is one of the first Down Syndrome um, uh, voices behind a, an animated character. She's a model. She can even surf. Um, 
she has learned no bounds and no fear, despite what might consider, you know, be considered by some a difficult diagnosis. And instead she embraces it with an open heart, an open mind, and wants the rest of the world to know that no matter who you are, you have value, you can help, and you could be part of this world's community. So I'm extremely proud of her. It was, it was co-written with someone, it, not co-written. She did have help assisted by um, Marissa Moss, who is a well-renowned well children's author and publisher, a huge voice in children's literature, and she fell in love with Mia. Um, so honestly, this book I am also <clears throat> extremely proud of. So I, I offer that. Um, Let's interview them as well. I'm sure she'd love to, but probably you'd have to. Um, she, yeah, you just obviously coordinate timing with her, obviously. Um, and she's been very busy, but I'm sure she could make time for an interview. Um, I'm sure she would love to. Um, I can give you all that information after. One of the books I am so, oh, I keep saying each book I'm so proud of. <laughs> So um, I, I, I listen, I, I, I'm having the time of my life with you. So this book is really special. They're all special. This book, Rifka's Presence, is by Lori Walmart. The reason this book is so incredible to me. I've interviewed Lori. Boom. OK, did she mention this book? Of course. Oh, I didn't know. She was even I didn't even realize it. OK, well, then you're, you're, no, no, you would know a, about this book. Nobody tells you anything. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, I know you. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't watch every single interview. I just know and say yay and retweet. So, um, uh, I really don't remember seeing your interview with her. I'm going to have to go back because usually I skim things at least, but I don't recall it. So I apologize for that. And I'm sorry, Lori, if you're watching this. Uh, but you know, I'll, I love you. I'll, I'll send you the link again after the talk. Okay, that would be great. But but this book I love because she was so kind of pigeonholed into STEM, you know, because all her books are so beautiful. She's she's known as like the dead woman in STEM book, um, which is pretty terrible in a in a good way. But you know, still, it's a little it's a little morbid. Um, and so this book is historical fiction, which was a real departure for her. And so I was so proud of her that she could write outside her comfort zone. This was a story very, very near and dear to her heart that she had inside for a long, long time. So getting this out in the world with Random House was just a real beautiful thing for her. And it's doing really well. And um, I love this book. So that's another book. It's a gorgeous um, book. It's a gorgeous book. Um, in inside and outside. In correct. Correct. It is. The, the art is gorgeous. The message is gorgeous. I have some, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Moonthi Vaughn. She's a, my, one of my Vietnamese authors. She wrote Wishes, which is an immigration story, which is a beautiful book. But this is one of her new ones called If You Want to Be a Butterfly. Um, this recently came out with Kids Compress. And the beauty about this book is it's really about the journey of a butterfly. But it's very poetic. It's very lyrical. It's almost like a chicken and the egg. It's like, if you want to be a butterfly, you know, you have to do this and you're a caterpillar and you're a this and you're an egg, you know, whatever, I'm doing it in reverse order. Um, but to become a butterfly at the end, you still need the egg. And to need the egg, you need the butterfly. And so it's this beautiful lyrical book about kind of nature and the cycle of life. Um, and she's just a prolific picture book writer. Um, your, 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 author, your authors are going to take up a whole month on my show. <laughs> I'm sure they'd be happy to. Okay, um, now what's that? Hold on, hold on. Yeah. We yeah. um I don't want you to show me 90 books. This was wonderful. I won't. I just wrote a few. 
send me more. But we want to get back now to now we've learned a little bit about Liza and your agency. And you told me before that you are open to submission, which is not yes, clear so, from your website. Okay, well, so, I, I believe my website says that we are mostly referral based. So I think mostly shows that not everything is referral based. Um, we are certainly, so we are open to submissions. We will always be open to submissions. We don't do the hurry up, we're closing for submissions. It just, you know, I get anywhere from 10 to 100 queries a day, even without any, uh, yeah, it's a lot. Um, it, 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 more, one second, hold on, Liza, it isn't, it isn't. Um, how many queries a day do you get between 10 and I get 100? Anywhere from 10 to 100 just on your average day, not regarding like if I'm at a conference, I'll get a ton. If I'm somewhere else, I get a ton. One second. Let, let's, let's, um, let's say that you get an average of 40 a day. 40 a day, 1,200 a month is 14,000 a year. And of those, you select a small handful. And those, those are the odds that the authors know or should know that the odds of finding an agent of getting a book published are less than one in a thousand. You don't have to apologize for that. Uh, it's just that my, I've been shouting this out for many years. The chance of getting published is one in a thousand. I think that, well, I think there's a reason for that. I think that a lot of people, especially during COVID even more so now, everyone felt they had a story. And while everybody does have a story and everybody hopefully live some type of life that inspires them to talk about something. Not everything can be a book, right? And I think part of the problem in children's literature is that a lot of people, they think to adult. So for example, if I get a book from a lot of people at one time saying, hey, this is a book about, you know, parent being on their phone for too long, you know, too much and trying to get the parent's attention. There are, oh, excuse me. I don't know what, I turned my off my phone, excuse me. Um, sorry about that. I turned off my ringer. I don't know why that happened. Um, I, I, I think that, for example, that kind of story about, uh, you know, a parent on a phone, okay, that's going to be something very difficult to do through the eyes of a child, right? Now, there might be a really clever way to do it. Maybe the kid's in calamity, you know, doing a bunch of silly things, and it could be something cute, but odds are it is very adult focused, right? It's a message to the parents. That's not what, you know, a two-year-old wants to read about, right? Um, I've had some beautiful books on infertility. Like, it's a love letter to their child. There are some that are beautiful, right? But most are geared towards the parent's journey because it's a love letter to the child. But that's not really a picture book, right? That's not really a book that the child is reading. And so it's very hard, I think, for a lot of adults who have stories, if you're talking in the kidlet space, that a lot of people don't understand the voice is not child friendly. And that doesn't mean they can't write, and it doesn't mean they don't have a story, and it doesn't mean it doesn't have value, but not everything can be a traditionally published book. And for those people, sometimes they say, look, this is a beautiful story. Go put it on. Self-publishing is not a dirty word, right? I mean, there are books that, that do very well that self-published and you can put it out there, have friends buy it, have friends of friends talk about it and feel that you accomplished something because it's, it's extraordinary to write a book, but just okay, not everything gets mainstream. Okay. But I, I'm going to, you know, I, I, um, I self-published, I, I didn't self-publish, but I published books with Natanya, the municipality and Tel Aviv university. And until I understood 
that to be traditionally published, you have to be that one person in a thousand. And you have to do all the things, you know, study, 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 write, 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 read, 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 read critique groups, uh, meetings, and then uh, more and more and more and get rejected hundreds of times, da, 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 and then get lucky and get a book out. But um, I'm going to argue, Liza, that um, for picture books, it's really not a, a viable alternative because it's it's difficult to publish a good middle grade YA it's almost impossible to publish a good picture book uh, by yourself. No, agreed 100%. My point was, and I stand by that point, we can, we can disagree. I agree, I, I 100% would not tell anybody if they're looking to publish a picture book as an, uh, an aspiring author, that that is not gonna be a way to go. Even kidlit books are hard, no question. Adult books are much easier to self-publish. I agree 100%, especially since the picture book market is more school library oriented and who's going to take you seriously. But I still stand by saying, this book is a love letter to your child. It's a beautiful story. If you just cannot sleep at night knowing this book is not out ah, in okay. the world, put it out there. Your friends will buy it. Some of your friends' friends will buy it. They'll write nice reviews. They'll tell you that it touched their heart. You'll feel good. It's done. You can move on to the next project. So um, those people who do that, sometimes they say use a pen name in case you ever do take writing seriously so it's not out there you know, in the ethos under your brand. Um, but I just think that some people, especially in COVID, they just, they were on a mission and it, 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 it really causes them stress that they just are bumping against a wall. And for some of those people, I say, if you are not going to write long-term, get it out there, right? Make a book. Feel like you did something beautiful for the world. And I will tell you, when I was at one of the SCBWIs, I, I go to the New Jersey chapter often. It's one of my favorites, they all know. So hi to anybody watching from there, you know, I love you. And um, somebody came to me at one of the pitches and said, hi, I'm, I have my master's in this, my master's in, you know, da, 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 and here's my children's book. So I said, very candidly, which I'm known to do, um, are you writing this picture book so you can get your foot into publishing and then write your great American novel? And she said, yes. And I said, go write your great American novel. Okay. Because this is, first of all, a picture book is not entry to the adult world, period, full stop. I argue with my own clients, oh, this is taking so long to write my middle grade. How about this picture book? How about you stay in your lane, right? Now you have to understand, it's not that I'm adverse to people changing. Usually changing up is better because your audience throws up, right? So it's a little bit better for booksellers. But if you're dealing with the, when we talked about gatekeepers before we came um, live, you know, I don't make the rules. I try to change the rules and bump up against them when I can. But at the end of the day, there are certain things that you just have to accept, right? Because putting your head in the sand makes you stupid, okay? Mm -hmm. So booksellers, for example, if they know you as a middle grade author and they know that that's what parents look for you on a shelf and they know that you have a voice there, they're not interested in your picture book. Now, if you're a New York Times bestselling author, if you're somebody famous, of course, different situation, right? You partner with somebody famous, you partner with a famous illustrator, you partner with whatever. Yes, there are outliers. You know, people always say, bye, bye. I said, okay, but we're not talking outliers, right? I'm talking bell-shaped curves because that's where most of you are going to fall. Right. And so the reason I say, uh, why are you doing this is not because I don't think you can write. It's because 
If the bookseller doesn't want to buy it and sales and marketing are told by the booksellers we don't want to buy it, then sales and marketing tell the editors you can't buy it. And so even though an editor says, thank you for sending it, I loved it, we still don't have a book sale. Right? So okay, but, but hold on, Liza. Yeah. yeah. Oh, listen, this is this is one of the most wonderful conversations I've had in the show. Um, I, I, I've interviewed... You said that to everyone, I'm sure. No, 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 really, really, I don't. Um, and even if I do, I don't always mean it. No, because, because, okay, so, so you, you say, oh, I'm not a gatekeeper. I'm trying to provide high level literature, hold on, high level literature um, for the editors who I think are going to want specific things. And that's fine. But you see, what authors that I'm in touch with rail against is the following. Hi, I'm an agent. Uh, I grew up in Wyoming, so I, lo I love books about Wyoming. Um, I had a pet uh, goat when I was a kid, so send me your books on goats, and my goat was orange, so if you have a book on an orange goat, send that to me. Now you can come. Now you, can, you, get, you get my gist here. Yes, I, uh, look, that's why I don't have a wish list, okay? Look, we didn't grow up here, listen. Our agency, Ginger and I, did not grow up in this business. So this this interview should come with a warning, okay, that these are not the norm, these two people. And the reason is because <laughs> we come at this from parents, readers, adult women, mothers, wives, I don't know, pick whatever, humans, you know, pick, pick whatever. And I mean, I even have a son and a daughter. I mean, I, I straddle a lot of things, right? And... So I never have a wish list. Perfect example. I have a book by a middle grade author. Um, it's called Wheels of Change. She came to me at a conference and said, I have this book, historical fiction. I said, oh, I don't, I never, go, I mean, the books. I said, Hardy Drew, Nancy Drew, right? Thriller, Patterson, Deaver. And I really didn't read that much historical fiction. She said, well, it's this true story. Okay, it's about, even though it's, it's, it's fiction, it's based on somebody who, you know, was a carriage maker, one of the last carriage maker's daughters, and how the president didn't even respect when they dropped off the last one they ever made to even come and say thank you himself. And she wrote to Roosevelt and shamed him. And he wound up, you know, saying, how do you not even say thank you? And he wound up sending her an invitation to the White House, right? And at first I thought it was a little bit, oh boy, you know, a little cliche or corny until she said it's based on my real story, my grandma. I got chills. I said, I have to see this book. I read this book. I fell in love with this book. So then I have people saying to me, I don't see a lot of historical fiction on your list. So maybe you don't do historical fiction. And I say, well, you don't see a lot because I only take what I love. I only take what resonates. So a lot of times I might meet an author and say, oh my goodness, I love the sound of this. And they say, mm, I don't know if you could sell it because you only have two of these kind of books. And I say, well, I only have two of these kind of books because they're the only two that I liked. And so when you say gatekeeper, yes, there are some people who will say, I don't want this. And to be fair, I don't want high, high fantasy or high, high sci-fi. But it's not because I'm a gatekeeper of it. It's because I don't understand it. You know, so but, how can I help represent you? You know, Liza, I, I, listen, I, th I think that agents are misunderstood. <laughs> and, and, and no, I, I really think that agents are misunderstood. And, and I'm saying this as somebody who's been... Uh, rejected in America for years. Um, I, I think that agents are misunderstood. They have to 
turned down 99.9% of the authors. That's just the way it is. Uh, and and I, I accept that. But the moment you say that um, the, the major traditional publishers rely upon the agents and the agents have their personal loves for this or that kind of genre, um, you know, I, I, as as somebody who's Jewish and and from Israel, I don't I don't think that um, that people reject uh, my work um, because of that. Um, but I think that, uh, for example, being a guy pitching to to uh, women, I'm at a at a serious disadvantage. Um, and the edit, the, what's that? Hold on. The, 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 I run a great. Half my clients are men. I don't. No, so, 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 so. Uh, thank <laughs> God that uh, we're on the we're on the air together. We're going to have a nice little <laughs> chat afterwards because um, uh, I th these are guys who are writing these days um for children but feel this way. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Okay. Shoot. You're presupposing. So when I get even on 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 when I get these queries, okay, my gatekeeper is ninety nine percent. I'm making up a number. The majority of my deletes are not based even necessarily on the book. It's based on the query telling me you are not ready for me. When I get queries that say, "Hey, I saw that you whatever," and figured, "Hey, why not take a shot?" That's not a professional author. I can't help that person right now because they're not ready for me. They haven't done their homework. They haven't done their due diligence. They haven't honed their craft. Had they gone to conferences, you say you don't have money, go have a local critique group. You don't have, you don't have friends, go to your local library, right? Go talk to your librarian. If you don't do your homework, you are not ready for me. Full stop. Okay, so when I get also even saying, hi, this book is 150,000 words. You don't know the market. Those books don't exist. Publishers for a debut are not spending money on 150,000 words. It's more editing, more paper, more storage, more cost, more transport, not going to happen, right? So when people come to me with stuff that is not ready, I delete because I cannot help them. I Neither. am stretched too thin to help them. No, it, it, it's all fine. It's all kosher. No, but you're saying it's it's because they're not getting a chance. And what I'm saying no, no, is that, 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 more wait, people on, would that, have a that, chance that, if other that, people would not waste the... Okay. That, that, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm okay. saying is that the chances are one in a thousand. So the first thing that I advise everybody, okay, um, is... And, and, and this is my my own mission, okay, because I came to it late, is to be the best writer I can. Yes. And, and, and you know, I don't know about other people, but I was at the SCBWI in New York, and that's a fortune to come from Israel. And I have a um, an editor every week that I work with, and the goal is not to make me a published author. It's to make me a really good author. And even I can be the best author, and my, my chances are still going to be low. But I think uh, your chances would be low, but I will say if you... I mean, some people who are not looking to be an author. I, I I apologize for that. I didn't mean it that way. I just meant people who are very, um, just a spontaneous, hey, decided to write something. What do you think? Right? If you the, take but Liza, at, at the beginning, we all are. When I, but, when I start when I started querying, I didn't know that, but, that, that it's harder. Hold on a second. I didn't know it's harder to be an author than to be a professor of microbiology. But you're, I think you're mixing, I, I, I think you are 
missing the point. I think saying, hey, I'm just starting out, let me query you, is a misnomer. It's, hey, I'm starting out, let me take a writing class. It's, hey, I'm yeah. starting out, let me have a critique group. But so for the people who turn around and go, hey, what the heck, let me query you, maybe that would limit my 14,000 you know, queries to 7,000 queries. Now your odds are more really substantive as to, gee, you wrote about if you want to be a butterfly. I already have a book about want to be a butterfly. I'm really sorry I'm not the right agent for you. But your chances are more significant if you didn't have to go through the sieve of, of so many people that some things will probably get lost in a shuffle because it's, oh, delete, 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 delete. And sometimes I will tell you, I will delete and then I'm like, wait, I, I think I deleted the wrong one. And I go back into my deleted because sometimes I get like 50 in a row, you know? And and I think that when you have people who, I, people who curse in queries, like I'm not judging you. I just don't wanna, you know, this whole effing industry, blah, blah, blah. I'm not blaming your frustration, but you are not presenting yourself on a, on a first impression basis of somebody that I think I'm going to work well with. So I delete the query. It could be the next like, you know, Elmer Leonard, I don't know, but it's just not for me. That's all. That's all I'm saying for me is these authors are not ready for me because the time I have and the skill that I have need to gel with who I'm working with. But that doesn't mean they're not right for somebody else. But I do think people are starting in the wrong place. I think people need to work on their craft. I think people need to research, right? Just like you, you would you become a, you said you were a professor. Did you just decide after high school, hey, I'm going to be a professor? No. You had to go to school. You had to learn. I mean, why is being an author anything else? I woke up one day during COVID, I decided to write a book, and boom, you're an author? I mean, I'm just saying that... I, I, hold I, I couldn't be more in agreement with you, which is why I have these uh, interviews. Because I keep saying, it's harder to be a good author than a good professor of microbiology. But this is the mistake that people make, and I made yes. it. Yes, yes. The other thing... For 30 years. The other thing you really need to ask yourself, and I say this to anybody that I meet, what are your long-term goals? Is it that you just thought it was fun and you want to publish this book? Because honestly, editors and agents want repeat people because you're investing so much. And it, and in many times your second book helps to sell your first book, right? So editors who double down with an author are saying, look, we're willing to start with you and grow you. So somebody who's like, hey, I was just in the mood to write this. I woke up in the middle of the night. It was a great story. Um, you know, does that happen? Sure. Like Shades of Grey, there are people who can make that happen. And, and I respect that it can happen. But I have to deal with not the outliers. I have to deal and consider the rules for inside the bell-shaped curve. And that doesn't mean I don't stretch it to the outliers. But you need to at least start somewhere that we can help slide you in by making an editor think, oh, I want to read this book because of X, Y, or Z. So we need to find some way to make you interesting and stand out, but still be have broad appeal. Because very few editors want to debut who's just winning one prize but isn't selling books because they're all drowning. They're all, you know, not selling. So they need to make money or they're going to fold. So they rely on their authors to bring in income. And so right now it is all financially driven. And when you have a beautiful writer that got a bad start and, and, and didn't sell a lot of books, honestly, they have to work just as hard as a debut because nobody wants them. Because they, in, fact, in fact, I would argue a debut has a better chance.
because the debut has no track record. You have no digital footprint on sales. And sometimes a debut, they say, well, we don't know. Let's be optimistic versus, well, this person sold. And now we know no matter what, they didn't do a good job, even though it's not their fault. Liza, this is an incredible conversation. So, so, um, and, and we're not arguing because I, I agree with you. Um, so now, <laughs> great. okay, but we're, okay. we're now going gonna to start now um, giving our summary arguments, uh, okay. <laughs> or whatever, they, whatever they're called. Um, so you've given a lot of wonderful advice for, for authors. Um, and um, now I would like you to tell us, me and my community, uh, what kind of books you would like to see. And I know that you've just said that you're open to everything. Um, and I think that that's wonderful. And um, and I, I sense that about you, that um, you're not prejudiced in the sense that you don't care who the author is, uh, what the subject is, what the genre is, if it's an amazing story. And if it is something that you feel that an editor of a publisher would be interested in. So, but give us a, give us some kind of inkling. Is there I something think, you would like to see that you're not seeing? So I think for me right now, um, in the kidlet space, I think I like humor. I think right now the world could use some humor. I think the world can use some joy. I don't know that I'm looking for books trauma related. That doesn't mean they don't have value and it doesn't mean I wouldn't represent them. I mean, Starfish is trauma related. Um, but I think I think part of the issue that you probably and a lot of other debuts are fight or not debuts, you're not a debut, people are fighting against is, for example, Laurie Woolmark, right? You interviewed. She is my prolific STEM author. Now you might say to me, hey, I have this great bio. Do I like bios? Of course I like bios. But odds are it's somebody Lori's already researching. If the person's that interesting, Lori's probably researching it, so, or her, him or her. So it would be hard for me to take on another bio author, right? Because Lori does it. Not because I don't think there's value, and not that I wouldn't, okay? But they would have to be spatially different. Because if it's kind of in Lori's place, I don't want to cannibalize Lori's right. So I think in all fairness, that's why it's great for new agents to pop up with every agency as they grow, you know, you kind of have somebody that I have, you know, a, a, in the thriller space, you know, a Latina FBI, you know, writer who used to be a retired police captain. It's going to be hard for somebody to say, hi, I'm writing a Latina like FBI book, right? Because I have her, right? So I think it's more a matter of what I enjoy right now is humor, joy, um, books that are inclusive, what I don't want, maybe that's easier, what I don't want. I don't want characters that are gratuitous just to say, oh, this is a colorful book of lots of different people. I don't want that. I don't want, I don't want people just throwing in people to say, oh, I hit all the notes, right? That's not a true story to me. That's not a real story. Um, I don't want um, something that is, uh, overly didactic okay i don't mind issue driven books i think they're important but when you're slapping someone over the head when it's said with judgment when it's said very one-sided um i personally just don't enjoy those books i'm not saying there's no place for them i'm not saying you can't write them but you know the one thing you have to respect is that when an agent is trying to sell a book we have to read it and edit it and work with the editors over and over and over. 
and over and over. And if I'm boring you by saying over and over and over, imagine how we feel reading those works from front to back over and over. So if it's something that I'm, I personally am just not enjoying or enthusiastic about, I'm just not the right editor, I mean agent, because I'm just not going to be cheering from the rooftops. And I think that if I'm enthusiastic, the agent, the editors I work with sense that from me. They're like, oh, this is, this is like Liza's Spidey sense, right? She thinks this is going to be the next it book. I better take notice. And they might turn around and say, I loved it, but it's similar on our list. But at least they loved it, right? Because they, they felt that joy and that excitement about a book. So I'm not looking for very serious issue-driven books. I'm not looking for, let me just put 50,000 different characters in a book because this way I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm checking boxes. Um, don't write to the trend. You know, I don't, I don't want to the trend. You know, I don't want, um, it's easier to say this in the adult space, but, you know, I used to get, oh, I have an election book. Oh, I have a crazy president book. Oh, I have a, I don't know. You know, I have a, I have a, you know, you know, Russian spy book or whatever, whatever it is, you know, and I'm always like, you know, maybe, maybe it's good. I don't know. I just don't read, you know, I don't want it. I personally don't want it. Right. So I guess to an extent you want to say I'm a gatekeeper. I guess in that regard, I'm a gatekeeper because it's just what I want to read. Right. What do you want to read? Do you want to read every book in the world? Probably not. So that's just, it's really more of a taste than a gatekeeper. Um, and like I said, I'm not very good at high fantasy. I have, a, I have a wonderful author, Josh Bellin, who, you know, when he writes in the future and corporations took a, take, take over the world, they're called corponations, right? I understand that word, right? But when I'm reading high fantasy or high sci-fi and it's planet Gakamakama with the Mukamakamas coming, I'm like, I, 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 I have, I, it's, it stopped, I stopped reading because I, I can't even say it in my head. So I'm just not good at that. There are brilliant agents and editors who just are amazing with that. But I just don't, I'm not, I'm not smart enough for it. I just don't have the headspace for it. Um, other than that, I'm really open. I am. I, I don't mean to punt and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to not answer the question, but it's, it, it's true. I mean, I never knew I would love Wheels of Change as much as I did. It, it's a book that it is one of the first books I put out. I still talk about it, you know, and I, I don't have many others like it. Um, you know, I, you know, I have a book on Diwali. You know, I love the book. It was just gorgeous. There you go. I mean, I don't sell it. I mean, I celebrate it with friends. But so would I have thought a Diwali book would have touched me 10 years ago? I don't know, you know, but it did. So it, it's really hard for me to say other than what I did, don't send me X because I don't know what's going to strike a chord, you know? So, so I, I, I'm sorry I, that I can't do better than that. No, I think that you've done wonderfully. I can't remember a conversation where you, where the interviewee has been so candid and I think it's wonderful. <laughs> um, I'm just going to ask you one last question that writers of, of picture books in particular ask. Um, so when, when you get the query letter, and beneath that query letter is a picture book that's 310 words long. And, and so what do, you, what do you look at? You have like 50 queries to go over in this particular Monday. What do you look at? So what our rules are, are a little different. Um, ours say don't put anything in the body and we want, and no attachments. So we want really just the query first. 
And the query, what I'm looking for for a picture book is, you know, um, dear, you know, dear Liza, I don't care. People get really worried afterwards. I spelled your name wrong. I don't care. That's not my issue, right? I, people call me Lisa, whatever. I've been called a lot of things. That's not going to be an issue for me. So don't ever worry about, oh, you know, panicking on that. But I do want the query to be clean, no typos. I mean, you're not writing 10 pages, right? You should be able to show me in that short space that you understand the market. Hi, this is, you don't even have to say my name. Hi, this is a picture book with humor. This is a picture book about friendship. This is a picture book about Diwali, right? This is a picture book about blank, right? That's the first thing. Um, you might say this is this meets this, right? This is, I don't know, uh, you know, if you want to be meet a butterfly, you know, you want to be a butterfly meets Rifka's presence. I don't know, just, you know, for some reference. Don't have to do that. Um, maybe a one pitch sentence, like if you imagine a publisher's marketplace deal announcement, right? Everyone says, oh, it's hard to do in one sentence. Well, I have to do it for publisher's marketplace. So maybe you could think of one too, right? So maybe you give me a sentence so it really distills what this is about. And maybe I know if you say, this is a book about Judith Pogart, like the greatest chess player, I know to delete that unfortunately, because I have a book out on it, right? For no other reason than I have a book out, right? So I want to know what that sentence is. And then I want to know about you. Okay, I want to know to say anything that shows me you are industry savvy. I don't care if you don't have a master's in literature. If you do, tell me. I don't care if you didn't go to school for writing. If you did, tell me. Okay, but I don't want to hear, um, you know, once this book comes out, this is a perfect query not to do. Once this book comes out, I'm going to go on book tours. Okay, I'm willing to go anywhere the publisher sends me. Okay, um, I'm going to start social media. Okay, um, you know, and I sit there thinking, you are not ready for me. And why? Because you should be on social media now. And by the way, I, this is not my generation. I gave up my Blackberry in January, right? I am not a techie person. I am not about social media, but I'm right? Like, that's not my job. That's your job. And I'm not saying you have to do all of them. You don't have to go on TikTok. I'm not. You don't have to go on threads. I don't even know what that is. I'm not there yet. I don't know if I will be. But you're telling me you're not online supporting other authors, right? You're telling me immediately, I'm not on social media saying, I love this book. Congrats on your release, right? People say, well, I have nothing to say. You have nothing to say? Are there books you like? Are there authors you can support? Can you be positive? Can you show that you understand what it's like to engage? Because maybe once you have social media, you're a jerk, right? I wanna know, do you know how to uplift people instead of chopping off their heads to look taller, right? Are you a supportive person? Because that's important for me to know personality-wise who you are, for me to work with you, okay? When you say, oh, I'm gonna go on all these tours, okay, pe people don't have tours anymore. Very few do. So you're telling me you don't even know the market, right? If you don't know the market, it means you haven't been around other authors. If you're not around other authors, it means you're not really working on your craft. If you're not really working on your craft, you're not ready for me, right? So it's not because I don't think you could have talent. It doesn't mean, my deleting an email doesn't mean you will not be the next Caldecott winning, most amazing National Book Award of the Year person, but you're not ready for me now. And unfortunately, as a boutique, I have to pick and choose my time, right? So I want to know that you say, you know, um, 
even if you didn't do it before, you know, since, you know, I've always wanted to write, or I don't care if I've always wanted to write, since working on this book, I have, I have, I am part of this critique group, I am online here cheering other authors, um, I've attended these conferences, um, uh, or, or, you know, although financially I'm not able to attend conferences, I do go to my local library events. I mean, I'm not telling you to spend money, right? That's not what I'm saying. So anybody listening, that is not what I'm saying. I'm saying, show me that you are thinking outside the box of how to be part of this community. And if you want to be part of this community, then you're one step closer to really being in it, right? But if you're not doing anything, you're always going to be on the outside looking in because there are no shortcuts, no shortcuts. If you have an idea for a book, you might have to wait a year to submit. Because if you don't have that background of history to show you belong in the mix, then no one's going to take you seriously. So sometimes you have to be patient. And it sucks being patient. I mean, my thing to editors always all the time is I literally put in emails, you haven't gotten back to me yet, hashtag patience of a flea. I put that in my emails all the time. I have no patience. Okay. But when I started this business, I will tell you, for a whole year, I did not submit a book. I took editors out to lunch. I met with people. I asked questions. I learned things. I mean, I didn't know what certain conferences were. I never heard of them. Why wouldn't I have, right? I don't even know if I knew what Kirkus was when I first started this, okay? I had to learn. So as much as I had no patience, I took a full year of informational interviews and meetings before ever submitting a book, okay? I mean, you have to do the work. There's no shortcuts. I mean, that's the takeaway you should take from this interview. If anything else, there are no shortcuts. Liza, this has been incredible. Yeah. Um, we've gone on for an hour. <laughs> you, you, are, you are the most animated, <laughs> uh, I think, uh, for, for agent for sure. Uh, interviewee, <laughs> I've interviewed 140 people. Trust me, I've never had one of these okay. interviews. And, and you've laid it out clear for everybody to hear and to see. Um, and I am tickled pink that you agreed to be on the show. Um, Thank you for there, having me. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should ask you in closing? Just for everyone to be kind to everybody. And for a, a better world. Amen. As they say here in Israel. Amen. Uh, so, Eliza uh, Fleisig, this was wonderful. Thank uh, you for having me, everyone. I've been here with super international boutique literary agent, Eliza Fleisig, who gave up careers. And, you know, I'm just, um, I'm not a religious person, but I'm very thankful that um, you did make this transition to Kids Live because you are such a wonderful advocate. And I'm really, really honored that you were on the show. And uh, so- to be here. Thank you, everybody. And uh, one second, and, and you're going to go out and come back in and we'll have just a, sure. a short one. And I want to thank everybody. I'm Mel Rosenberg, host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network. See you very soon. Bye, everyone. Stay safe. Liza, come back into the same link. Bye-bye, everybody else.